BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Tom Curran's Patriots Talk Podcast is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. All right, what's up? Welcome in, everybody. Um, it's been a very busy week of Mac Jones, Bill Belichick, Patriots takes. And I guess the operative word is indignation right now. It's a lot for Mac. There's some for Bill. But really, there's an all-around sense after this Dallas game for a 1-3 and three Patriots team of, you got to be joking with this. thought we were past this. Who are you guys? Here's RG3 on ESPN laying blame with Bill. For me, this comes down to coaching. In year two, Preach. Bill Belichick messed up his young quarterback. Mm-hmm. When you give him a defensive coordinator and a special teams coordinator as his offensive coordinator, yep. and now he's on his third coordinator in three years in the NFL, that is, to me, the epitome of a coaching malpractice. Yeah. And Bill Belichick's one of the greatest coaches we've ever seen. He's arguably the greatest coach of all time in NFL history. But he really overthought this, and it's hurt Mac Jones permanently, in my opinion. Meanwhile, here's Mike Lombardi, GM Shuffle. Great podcast. He he obviously is a former Patriots exec, uh, a Bill Belichick confidant, consigliere, probably one of the most important and closest guys to Bill during his entire NFL career, in a lot of ways, together in Cleveland, together here in New England. Here's Mike kind of saying, well... It's kind of Mac. It's done a bait and switch with his performance. What bothers me the most is the fact that I thought he was going to be very good decision making. Mm-hmm. I thought he was going to have great timing. And I thought his accuracy was going to be. But so far, his accuracy and control of the football has not been good. And you can't deny this. I mean, Eagle game, turn sick pick six. Miami game, turnover. Dallas, two turnovers. You know, I mean, the fumble, you know, now the next thing you know, it's 18 to three and you're by, they, the, the Patriots can't play from behind. They're not no. good enough to play for, they got to play from in front. Yeah. And that's what we talked about yesterday morning on Lombardi line said, Hey, if whoever gets control of this game, this could be like a runaway situation. It ended up being a runaway situation for the Cowboys. The, the interception, the pick six to Deron Bland, that was one where it's like, dude, why are you throwing across the field? Like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, that's just, but he just does that. Do that. He yeah. does that quite a bit. Like, that's the thing that you thought when you watched him at Alabama, he would be a good decision maker. And so far, you know, he hasn't been. Like, people say, well, he was. I'm going to say this. Like, they were actually better on offense last year than they are this year. Mm. Yeah, that's tough. Nobody wants to hear that, but that's the truth. They could run the ball last year. So you've heard enough from me this week. I wanted to get my guy Andrew Callahan in here from the Boston Herald. Hi, Andrew. Hello, Tom. To see how much of the toothpaste we need to put back in the tube vis-a-vis Mac. I mean, we were indignant, right? Andrew, after the game, we were pissed off. We were like, ah, get up and watch that again. 
But I, had, I had them going to Dallas and scoring 31 points because I thought they were sniffing around a level of improvement. So what's the truth about Mac as we go to New Orleans? I think the truth about Mac is the same truth we've seen the last two and a half years. Uh, he's a pocket-bound point guard who needs things to be very comfortable for him to survive. And I looked at the first three weeks and go, he's been uncomfortable a lot. You're talking about the three best pressure teams in the league and he survived. He did okay. Then you face another top five team in Dallas and he completely melts. And so what this says is he needs to win from the pocket. He can't extend plays. He's got plus accuracy, smart kid, but he can't win when he needs to extend a play or launch the ball downfield because he just doesn't have it. And so I look at in the aggregate, he seems like the same guy we saw two years ago as a rookie. Did Mac see he was definitely terrified, petrified, and making horrible decisions because he just didn't know up from down by the time he got out of there. But as I had a developing opinion as the game went along, I think that he was under duress, but in games previous, and really at the end of last year too, we saw him take off and try and make plays with his feet and throw on the run. And we saw that in the first three weeks as well. I think that he initially thought he was going to get away with it until the strip sack and then until the sideline pass, and then until he started to scurry and threw it at Ramondre Stevenson's feet, and then he got away with the cross-court pass and threw another one and got a pick six. I think that he thought he was going to be a little bit of a magician and open some eyes, and then he found out, oh, I can't do that. I think that's fair, and that's where I drew the line in my film review was the strip sack. I mean, that that's where things crumbled, because you look at the first drive, that 42-yard pass to DeMario Douglas, he is outside the pocket. He's doing the things I just said he couldn't do. 12-yard completion to Mike Kosicki gets absolutely crushed, delivers the pass anyway. Stuff we had seen the first three games. But when he commits that strip sack, it was like Bill was in his head saying, I said all week, you can't do this. <laughs> and there goes the ball. And there goes eight more points. And here we are playing from behind something we can't afford to do because you lost the ball. And so you look at the plays you just mentioned. You know, first play, reminder of Stevenson just throwing it downward at his feet like he had a bug in his hand and he was trying to get rid of it. Into the belly button of a Cowboy safety on the sideline before the half in a two-minute drill, and then the pick to Juju, which was a bad route, great coverage. But just just out through to Juju and got to have it situations. He, he just melted from that point on. And I get it to a degree. They need to protect him better. It's just he's trying to navigate and figure out what he can and can't do, and that's a bad time for a quarterback in his third year and in an offense heading into its fifth game. That was a perfect storm for him, too. Um, mm -hmm. I mentioned this. Yesterday, we were on early edition, and there was a perfect storm for Drew Bledsoe in 2001 before he got yanked. It really existed in 2000 as well. When Charlie Weiss came in, took over that offense, it was a timing, rhythm-based offense. You can't stand there and pat the ball, throw downfield, sling it, and everything else that Drew was so good at. You had to process quickly, get rid of the ball with great accuracy. Velocity was great, but placement was better. And Drew did not exhibit that at all. Really, it was not a quarterback strength of his. And when he melted down against the New York Jets, I said, he's he's not going to get his job back. That was before Brady did a thing. I said, Drew won't get his job back because Brady does the things that Bledsoe can't. And I didn't think he would win six Super Bowls and play in nine with the Patriots, <laughs> but he did. But I was pretty sure that that was going to be the end of the, end of the road for Drew Bledsoe because Brady was that kind of player. Good job by you. Drew was miscast. I don't think that Mac is miscast, but if you want to have a stationary pocket passer who thrives on accuracy, you can't have an offensive line 
that you just wing it with. And the Patriots have, even though Nguyen is an excellent player, he's a sixth-round pick. Trent Brown was scooped off the scrap heap and turned into a, a, a tremendous player by Dante Scarnecki in large part, and to Trent's credit as well. But my point is, you've got a stationary passer behind a porous and understaffed offensive line with very average wide receivers, a couple okay and better than okay tight ends, and that's it. So what do you think is going to happen? So that's where I get back to with, of course, it's going to look like crap. You'd be better off with Justin Fields if you're going to invest this way in your offense. You'd be better off with a lot of guys. But your Purdy's and your Tua's and your Sam Howell's and your Mac Jones's and your, you know, you name the stat- stationary guy, they'd look like this too. Yeah, I agree. And that, that's why I think when we do these podcasts and have TV, like I think some part of the audience has to think we're colorblind because it, it has to be black or it has to be white. And in this case, is it Mac's fault? Is it Bill's fault? Yeah. The truth is, it can be both. Like Mac played abominably at Dallas. Okay. That's what happened. He was so so against the Jets. That's on him. But the last two and a quarter years around him, as you've described with the offensive line and the lack of receivers and the fact they have more cash to spend in 2024 and 2025 and seem completely reluctant to use it, despite the fact their quarterback is on year three of a rookie contract, is part of a masterclass by Bill and how it'd fail your rookie pocket bound point guard. Like imagine. This is going back seven years, but you're an NBA fan. Matthew Dellavedova on that finals team against Golden State in like 2015. If he's not surrounded by LeBron James and Kevin Love and Kyrie, yeah, Love, like Kyrie, they got hurt. But like that's who Mac is, man. And that's not his fault. He's Jeff Teague or Matthew Dellavedova. They can hang in the league. Just get them some talent. There's always basketball parallels to two quarterbacks, especially, aren't there? Yeah, totally. Like, Matt calls himself a point guard, which I'm happy because that gives me license to call him a point guard. But then you further refine it. Like, a point guard without a shot, it's a guy who can't get outside the pocket. And that's what you're seeing from the best quarterbacks nowadays. It's not that you can just get outside the pocket and throw. Maybe you scramble. But you're the guy who's hitting the three-pointer late in the shot clock, one-on-one, creating something out of nothing. That's quarterbacking now. Belichick can have the best designed defense, airtight coverage. And it doesn't matter against Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen who have beaten him, whatever it is, six to seven of the last eight times, because they're that good. That's the game now. Yeah, he's he's at his very best, he would be Stockton. He's not even Nash. No, no. no. He's, he's Delvadova. I mean, what are you talking about? You're right. He's yeah. exactly Delvadova. Um, right up to the scrappiness, i.e. Well, scrappiness. I'll be yeah, the line, the line stepping, if we want to be. Yeah, a the last habitual line stepping, not tapping. Um, will we ever see again what we saw Sunday? Because I really do think that was the perfect storm of, hey, I feel good going into this game. I feel real good. I think we're going to make some plays. Uh, I, I really think he was confident going in. And then when the shit hit the fan, he melted because it was like, I think he was dumbstruck by how badly things were going. And that's why he had no answers. I think everyone was. I mean, you saw that shot of Belichick that Fox got where he's just like wiping his face as if he had sweat down, except for there wasn't. He was just that upset. Uh, But it is a good point. I picked them to win going into this. And I want to be clear. I don't want to see a repeat of Sunday. That was a waste of everyone's time. I'm writing, why should anyone believe in the Patriots right now from what they've given you the last three years? Like the idea that they'll work harder, they'll have some sort of answer at the end just hasn't been true. They need to prove it to you in what's already been a prove-it season. If you want to say, no, we won't see that again, your your argument is 
They faced, according to PFF, the four best pass rushing teams in the entire league, weeks one, two, three, and four. You can't get harder than that. If you're, argue, one thing, you're, you're on a roll, yeah. but partly those statistics always end up including the games against the Patriots. Yes, yeah, for a very good reason, <laughs> right. And, and you can, you know, th- those teams are going to finish in the top 10. Maybe Miami gets bumped. Yes, you are. just look at the raw talent, Jalen Carter, Micah Parsons, Quinton Williams. Like, they're, they're going to be right. in the right neighborhood, the bigger houses, all that. The argument for saying this will repeat is the mere fact that we saw what Mac did under pressure a year ago. And if Sunday was an inflection point of his lack of trust in the offensive line, in the offense as a whole, as he's saying the same things he did two weeks ago, they lose to the Dolphins. What do you need to do? Follow the rules of the play, not try to improvise like he did. Then he'll just keep breaking down the rest of the season. Because the other part is this. Dallas held him to seven of 13 for like 100 yards and a pick against man coverage. They only had three catches from receivers not named Demario Douglas against man coverage. The Saints play a ton of man coverage. The Bills play more man coverage against the Patriots than anybody, and they can't separate. And that's an issue that's not going away. So, unfortunately for Mac, it's still on his plate. You're going to be under pressure. Your guys aren't going to separate. How are you going to respond? And that's the only way that we know if we get this Perfect Storm again. I don't know. Was there a sequel to Perfect Storm, that movie? Did you see that? I did. It was, you know, yeah, it was a great movie. Um is that Mark Wahlberg? I think it was. But you know what I mean. The no, giant waves it crashing definitely down. definitely was not a sequel. Yeah, because <laughs> there's, you know, that's what makes it perfect. There's one. Or is the second wave going to crash down and not just drop you to one and three, but wash away your entire season? Because th- those are the stakes now. Um, I'm going to change gears a little bit and talk about the guy behind Mac. Um, Mike Felger was indignant because. No. Yeah, not Mike Felker. Because uh, he believes that he was unfairly bullied uh, in late August when we all made fun of him for talking about Bailey Zappi. And he took this as an opportunity for a victory lap of, hey, he was ahead of the curve on why Bailey Zappi was a feasible uh, alternative to Mac Jones. Here's Felger just inflamed yesterday. Depending on how the rest of the season plays out, the Patriots may have to do another reset and go after a third new starting quarterback in five years as the post-Brady situation drags them towards NFL mediocrity. So I can't argue with any of that. I'd hang on to Jones. I'd try and rebuild around him or another NFL quarterback. I'm petrified of the draft. You know me. That's that That that's that that's thing there. But th- this also ties into a little more zappy uh, commentary that I'm starting to get, which is bugging me too. And I'll save that for a little bit later. But it's like, oh, oh, now, wait, oh, wait. So now is it okay to talk about Zappy? You guys, is it? Is that all right? Because I know in August it's like we were some sort of able, no, dare some you. sort of like, oh my, I was some sort of idiot for talking about Bailey Zappy in August. But, oh, you want him to start? Why don't you talk about Malik Cunningham? Like all these uh, guys that I work with on TV and like shaming me for talking about Bailey, Z- the backup quarterback in August. And Greg. Bed- Bedard. Yeah, Bedard, like all of them. No, no. Bedard, Holly, uh, uh, Gasper. Gasper, all these guys. Curran, idiot. What are you talking about? Bailey? So you want Bailey Zappi to start? No, no, it's just August, and I think Bailey Zappi's closer to Jones than you guys do. I don't know. It's just what you do. And Malik Cunningham played last night, so we're going to talk about him. Idiot, you want him to start too? Is it okay to talk about the backup quarterback now, guys? Is it? Is it all right? You know, four games into it? Like, Jesus. So, like, that's bothered me, too. It's like, oh, now, now all of a sudden I'm hearing about Bailey Zappi. Well, hello. Hey, 
Oh, I guess that wasn't that stupid to talk about the backup quarterback when he was playing in August, I, I guess. Here, Mike, let me make this simple. The reason you shouldn't have been talking about Bailey Zappi now and have to remember the context in which you talk about him is because you looked at him as more than a human tourniquet. You thought that he was a viable alternative to Mac Jones as a starting quarterback in the league. Okay, that if Mac didn't play well, challenge Mac to improve. And it's a competition. It's not a competition. Bailey Zappi coming in is basically like a position player in a blowout baseball game coming into pitch. You can't have it. They don't have a good enough backup. He's not backup level NFL backup level for a playoff bound team. Not saying he can't play ever. But again, he's a human tourniquet. You put him on when Mac's bleeding. You take him off when you got Mac stitched up. That's what happened last week, and that's what should happen going forward. Hopefully, Mac doesn't start to bleed out again, because any long extended periods of Bailey Zappi mean a top ten pick. Yeah, I agree. I mean, look, the, the Patriots made this very clear on cut down day. Goodbye. They cut him. They were perfectly comfortable with any other team in the league claiming him and going to find another number two quarterback who on short notice would have had to come in the game in a prove-it season against the Eagles and then the Dolphins, Jets, maybe Cowboys, if Mack had gotten hurt. That didn't happen. That didn't happen because the other 31 teams were comfortable going, yeah, we're, we've got a better guy than Bailey Zappi. We might have two or three guys better than Bailey Zappi. That's who he is, okay? You want to talk about pocket-bound point guards? Like, this is G League Matthew Delphidova. That's what Bailey Zappi is. And there's fine. That guy gets paid a lot of money. So does Bailey Zappi now that he's back in the 53-man roster. But you understand also that even though the Patriots brought him back, how many how many third-string quarterbacks do they cycle through now? Like, Will Greer's here because they're not happy with Zappi still. Matt Corral, they tried to bring in and then bring back. And he just said, no, nah, F it, I can't do this. But they wanted that guy because Bailey Zappi wasn't good enough to push him, not to push Mac. Ian Book. Ian Book. <laughs> Patriots legend. It's pretty amazing when you think about it. This is panic. It's just malpractice, malpractice to borrow RG3s. It's it's offensive malpractice. And I'm going to get deeper on this next week because um, I really think that what you're seeing is a come-to-Jesus moment about how, what the direction of the New England Patriots franchise needs to be philosophically going forward. And if I'm the ownership, if I'm Robert and Jonathan Kraft, I'm saying, we're going to do it this way, get on board and accept it with us, or don't. And you can't really give an ultimatum, but you, you, can't be, you can't be boring and bad. All right, so going forward, here's Bill O'Brien and then Mac Jones on what has to happen this week. The game wasn't lost because of one guy. Uh, the game, you know, was lost on our part because of how, you know, how poorly we played and coached in the game. And so, you know, uh, Mac, Mac is, he's here today. He's working very hard to, to get back on the right track. And, uh, you know, we have a lot of belief in Mac. Confidence is something that comes from years of practice and um, it's, it grows over time. And I think that's what I have to look back on is, you know, I've played well at times and I just got to be more consistent. So I know it's there. Um, like I said, just focus on my job, play by play, take the emotion out of it and um, go out there and, and try and distribute the ball to the right people. Andrew, I'm still naive enough to think it's a matter of time. I still think that, that 
they're going to figure it out. The snippets of play we saw against the Dolphins and the Eagles will be extended at some point over a 60-minute period, and the Patriots will score 38. I don't know why, but I do. 38? Not this, week. Not this week. Not this week. Okay. Something. something. Uh, I think they're going to need a, a position player to come in and start pitching if that's the case from the other team. Like, I, I just – it, it, there's there's not enough talent. That That's what it is when I look so at this What happened team. this week? Are they going to get their ass kicked up between their ears again and have to blow their nose out their zipper without their two best defensive players? No, they're going to wrestle in the mud with the Saints. This is a Spider-Man meme game. You're looking at just average quarterback play, not to mention Derek Carr's injured right now and trying to push through that. Another offense that has minimal motion, doesn't use a lot of play action, very well coached defensively, tons of schemes, defensive backs just coming out of Dennis Allen's butt like Belichick has, but – this is this is going to be a field goal game. Like the Patriots are one point favorites at home, which means the Saints in a neutral field would be favored. And I think that's fair when you look at the roster talent. But this is this is the Jets game. Screw up less than they do, and we win. But there's no way that they run up. I think more than twenty four against the Saints. This game, as we know, is at Gillette. Even though I think I said earlier, going to New Orleans, meaning going to the New Orleans game. It's a one o'clock game. People, we have full throat, ready to go, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. If we see old uh, Bryce Barringer too often, it's going to be a problem. I mean, people are going to be hooting and hollering. Yeah, I mean, we all love Bryce Barringer too, so this will be a real downer because that kid can boom him with the best of them. But, yeah, I think they they were booing at halftime of the Dolphins game. They were down 17-3. to That's week two, Sunday night. Okay, 1 o'clock. Haven't been liquored up or loosened up, whatever Brady said in the parking lot for all that long. But the fans know the stakes of this as well as anyone. Lubed up. Lubed up. Thank you. Lubed up. Uh, and, and they don't know what one and four feels like because you can say what you will about the Patriots being one and three. They dug their way out in 2021. Last year they got closed. Mac was hurt, blah, blah, blah. Like there is no, as Joe Judge's sweatshirt said uh, in the locker room last week, there's no one coming. This schedule is a murderer's row. You get a brief reprieve, Saints. Raiders, maybe, and then Buffalo, Miami, bang, bang, back to back. That could be your season, and especially if you fall to one and four. This could get ugly in a way, and I'm not even talking about the play on the field because this is just where the Patriots are right now. I don't want it to get ugly. I don't. Me neither. We're going to take a little break. We'll be right back with the poll that I did, really investigating. Well, we'll be back in a second. All right, so here's the poll that I put up Wednesday evening. Week 5 of 2025, who will be the Patriots head coach quarterback combo? You see the results. 18.7% say Bill and Mac. They'll be riding happily along together. 31.7% say Bill, no Mac. Only 7.2% say Mac, no Bill. And then the greatest numbers say no Mac, no Bill. And when you look at these numbers, Andrew, one interesting thing emerges is that you got 49.5% say there is a no-bill situation that they're, you're looking at. And 505 say there will be bill. So people don't know what's going to happen with Bill Belichick. I think that's a pretty good bet. But 73% say no Mac. And I bet some of that's tied to the contractual stuff I alluded to. But just for poops and giggles, let's roll through these scenarios. What has to happen for, the, for it to be Bill and Mac happy and ensconced here? 
Uh, they need to U-turn the season ASAP because, again, Saints, Raiders, start with winning both those games. You're 3-3. Three and three. Let's say you lose to Buffalo, Miami. Then you get the Commanders and the Colts, 5-5. Five and five. You're in the playoff push. You're hanging around. But you need to e- exceed expectations, not only in the way relative to preseason, but where they are now because so far it's been very bad. And I think that starts with Mac, frankly, because, again, they traded for J.C. Jackson. They're not going to be able to trade for a whole new offensive line or a number yeah. one receiver. Teams teams like to keep those when they have those in, in good spots. So for them, I, I just – more turnovers on defense. Like you have to finish, I think, nine or eight or better at this point for both them to be back. Yeah. Um, and obviously the other parameter, Mac would be in his fifth year at that point. So that means if he is still here, the Patriots either picked up his fourth-year option and are paying him like $30 million on the fifth-year option, whatever it is a lot or they extended him and gave him you know going rate for a mid quarterback which is probably about 35 million for three or four years so he might have signed a 140 million dollar contract so yeah that would have had to happen and i think there's an argument to be made even if you're still unsure about mac after three years which at this point i think it's like a relationship if you don't know how you feel about three years probably break up with the person and find someone you're very excited to be with but with the quarterback, you can trade them. You can't trade someone out of a relationship. And that way you at least retain the asset of when you pick up max fifth-year option. If you find a suitor in the offseason, you've expressed confidence. We like him as a player, as an asset. You can deal him either that same offseason with two years left in his contract, or you can wait till the year after because you still have a decent quarterback. And there are teams in the league right hmm. now that would take Mac Jones. I don't know okay. what the price is, but that that's the reason to pick it up, even if somehow you're we're still in this gray area. That's a great point that I hadn't even considered, my guy. That is a great point. The feasibility and value of Mac Jones as a trade chip. And I think that fans are going to look and say, the guy sucks. He can't <laughs> play. He's got a pop gun arm. That's what fans would say. GMs, offensive coordinators would say, you can't you gotta look at the context. He's a he has flashes of great competence. If you put him in the right situation, he is in the opposite of the right situation. He's in the worst situation he could possibly be. No wonder he looks bad. It's a surprise. He's even able to do what he does. That's what GMs and offensive coordinators might say. So he is a valuable trade chip. Believe it. Let's get into that plenty over the next few months. Um, Bill Nomack. That means that Bill has gone through 2024 this year and next he's either still chasing Shula or he caught his ass and he's now 70 pushing 74 and still on the sidelines 31.7 percent what has to happen for that to occur so Bill has to have a new quarterback that he found yeah he shopped Mac around supposedly last year he does it again because again you're just not going to cut a starting quarterback in the NFL you'll get something for him even if it's just you know, seventh round pick in a bag of footballs. But I think Mac would have to repeat the performance we saw at Dallas or break in a way that was obvious from the strip sack on, whether it's under pressure, whether it's he goes back to having those fits and it becomes as clear as day, not just to us or the fans, but to Robert Kraft, that there's a hard ceiling here with Mac. And even though Bill has largely screwed him over with the lack of investment in the offensive line and the weapons, which we've talked about for over a year now, Max still not good enough to get it done because the limitations we all knew when he came into the league and Bill's defense did its part and still they got to seven and 10 or eight, nine. And he just, Mac just kind of declines from here on out. Yeah. And I still think that there would be a culpability on Bill's part that Mm -hmm. the crafts might look at and say, you have to trade him because you screwed him up. 
Right. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this, because then I think that would tie into his control over the roster. Like, is there an instance where Bill, the head coach, stays, but Bill, the GM, goes out the door with Mac? Here's what's really difficult about that. So who do you elevate? Say Mac Grow? Bill, you're not allowed in personnel meetings. <laughs> Mac Grow is reared by Bill Belichick and Bill Belichick's philosophy. So he's just going to do Bill's bidding as Nick Casario did, as everybody but Scott Pioli did. You know, you're just doing what, what Bill would do. WWBBD. So <laughs> that's what everyone will subscribe to. So I don't think that you can take personnel away from Bill because he's such a massive figure that your GM is not going to fly in the face of what Bill would want on his football team. So I, I don't even think that's feasible, taking personnel duties away from him. I would tell him he can never have another opinion on offense again, which I said like three years ago, and it's only been freaking brought to fruition completely. All right, how about Mac no Bill? It's only 7.2% of respondents who thought that could happen. I think it should be heavier because we have had no pledges. We've had a, a, a vote of confidence, if you will, in Mac Jones expressed by the by Robert Kraft. Yeah, and I think you've seen this across the league, right? Like t owners have chosen the quarterback saying, I believe in him and you need to come in as a new coach. Take Brian Dable, for example. Daniel Jones is going to be here. Part of the interview process for that head coaching job is, can you fix him? And the only guys that make it to the next stage are the ones that say yes. And so Kraft will have to put out feelers here. You know, we're talking again, seven and 10 season, eight and nine, but this is where the defense falls apart. Max stays strong under pressure. It's clearly not his fault. We repeat that, repeat that October, November, December. And around late December, early January, as Kraft is very quietly putting out feelers for who would be interested in this job, that question gets asked. What do you think of Mac Jones? Because before we bring you in, we need to know that answer because we've seen him do enough and we're willing to spend in a way, maybe like we did in 2021, to finally give him the help he needs and deserves. 42.3% say no Mac, no Bill. What has to happen for that to happen? I mean, I, it's actually – I, I get to why it might have the most because that could come to pass even if the team isn't bad. Like Bill could catch Shula or Bill could say, you know what, it's been, it was a good run, you know. Or, you know, something happens and it just happens by osmosis and no heads really roll. It's not as dramatic as we might imagine. You know, Mac goes on someplace else, didn't work out. Yeah, I think you have Gerard Mayo steps in as a head coach, and he's a guy who doesn't have to answer the question I just outlined for outside candidates. It would just be, hey, uh, I don't think Mac's good enough. I'm a defensive guy. I understand what stresses me out, and I've been around him for three years. He works hard. He just has limitations. Like the guys that I can't defend, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Herbert, are guys that you need to go into the top 10 and go get, and they're not dual threat or pocket passers. They're both. Mm -hmm. Max one. And that's it. So, I, I yeah, I, I'm with you. I, like, I think this number is probably a little too high because people are just pissed and we're all blaming Mac or Bill and fans are doing the same thing. But this doesn't have to be, you know, bombshell after bombshell this season with losses like we saw at Dallas. You just lose by 7 or 10 to good teams throughout the end of the year. And at this mm -hmm. rate, finish at 6-11. and 11. And, who, and who wants to hold on to that team at this point after last year 8-9 and two years ago 7-9 and nine with Cam Newton? It's a four-year stretch that no quarterback or coach should really survive. All right, Saints-Patriots on Sunday. Rock fight? Has to be. Yeah, yeah. This is like David versus David. Just <laughs> slingshots back and forth. There's <laughs> rocks flying. No one's enjoying this. There's no drama. There's no upset. It's gross. 
But you know what? Are you going to ask me for my game pick? Can I give it to you now? Yeah, why not? 13-12 Patriots. I, like, I, I just – I said there's no reason to believe in them. I agree with that. I think the roster talent is still in the favored side of New Orleans, but there just has to be a desperation here that gets you across the goal line one more time. Or Derek Carr, limited Derek Carr, screws up more than Mac. Like, no turnovers. One turnover you should win this game. And I, I think they get it done maybe against my better judgment. I'll tell you again – 13 to 12, 25 to 20, 24 to 17. What was the score with the Jets? 15 to 10. 15 to 10. 38 to 3, 13 to 12, 22 to nothing at halftime against friggin' the Bengals in the second to last game of the year. You can't, we'll talk about this next week. Boring. And less than good is unacceptable. But you know what is acceptable? Your weekend. I want you all to enjoy it. Andrew Callahan, thanks for being here. Thank you, Tommy. 